Welcome into the Esports Network Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything involving esports. Primarily, you know, how do you get into it? How do you start a career in esports? You know, not all of us are going to be players. Some of us have to work behind the scenes. Some of us have to really get into the the nitty gritty of the education behind esports. And here to help me do that today, let's welcome in Danny Martin, the co-founder, CEO of Esposure. Danny, thank you for coming on the show. It's taking a, a little chunk out of your busy, busy day to come on and talk to us about Esposure. We appreciate it. Ah, thank you so much. This is always the most fulfilling opportunities when we get to be able to share insight and just have dialogue and knowing that the purpose of the dialogue is to impact individuals. So I am greatly appreciated. Exposure is greatly appreciated just as much. Awesome. So you were on here, you were on this show, uh, not with me, obviously, with our prior host, uh, Mitch Reams, of course, a few years ago. You came on, talked about uh, Geek Leads a little bit, and that was great. But now things things have changed. We've, we've, yeah. We're in a post-pandemic world now. Things have kind mm-hmm. of moved around. And so for people who don't know, no, Danny, you've been involved with esports since like what 2014. Once, yeah. once Geek Leads kind of launched and everything, and then obviously uh, you're obviously a board member of the Esports Trade Association. You're yes. you're a huge esports subject matter expert for SMU's uh, the people the, the, the Cox School of Business mm-hmm. right here in Dallas. And so yes. obviously the big thing is esposure. They got launched yes. last year. A little mm-hmm. bit. What you call it, like a rebrand from Geek Leads or more of just yeah. a relaunch? I would say like, man, it felt like a relaunch and a rebrand at the same time, you know, like, and, and that's how crazy it was, you know. Uh, but definitely, I would say the biggest thing is that, you know, we had to really focus in on, you know, really adhering to the opportunity. And that was to add value to the education realm, you know. Right. And so obviously, Exposure, you guys focus on providing the technology for professional yes. esports education, right? That's, that's a real big thing coming up in the next decade is esports education yes. is going to be a, you know, a frontier kind of educational platform for people. And so obviously, not just for players, for production, studio services, yes. you know, graphic design, all kinds of things that would go into you know, a normal television or, or, or news organization, that kind of helps it bring it to the foreground. So obviously, you bring that, that vision of competitive gaming experiences mm-hmm. and career development together you know, from any kind of skill, right? From small schools, yes. big schools across the nation at that point. It's, this is your, your main kind of goal moving forward with Exposure, right? Yes, very much so, sir. All right. So, Danny, let's talk about your background a little bit. Uh, let's see. So where did you, I guess, first get your, your start in the esports industry, right? Where was your first big experience with it? Yeah. So in college, I uh, went to University of Texas, San Antonio. I literally recognized the value of um, fixing individuals, Xboxes and Playstations. And, you know, when someone gives me their console, I'm able to see how, how well they're able to play, how good they are, what game they're, they're playing. And I would just utilize that information and that data for that of running tournaments. And so, you know, quickly I would have the capacity to run tournaments, but I really always see the bigger scope of things pretty quickly. So I would dibble and dabble with tournaments, but I was more like, wow, if more people can host tournaments and that's more opportunities for individuals to compete and showcase their talents on the actual campus. And so I was just immediately like, okay, how do you help individuals uh, compete on a mass scale? And it was like, you got to create a technology platform yep. to be able to do that. And so I started to figure out how the heck I'm going to learn software <laughs> development. And so at that point, I just uh, I got the opportunity to uh, spend a couple of years in San Francisco working with some pretty you know awesome tech startups um, and then really just learned the whole ecosystem of building a tech startup uh, from the, the development side to the financial side, the marketing side, the management side. Just all of those concepts really understood, gave me a perspective of um, how to build you know a company. And that was something that I really went to school for. So it was right in my 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 space. But I knew that I had to figure out how to engage from an esports perspective, even though at that time it wasn't coined. It, like a lot of people weren't speaking on it like they speak now in regards to esports. It was gaming for me, and I just had to figure out how to you know build a company. And so quickly, you know, we recognized that you know we have the skill sets to build a technology platform, and we just really just went in and started to build it and see what the actual community how they would take to it, and you know learn some of our failures and some of our successes on impact in the community that's the biggest thing and you know every transition that we've had in, in this space in esports is just the number one goal is how do we impact the community uh to to really help them help the individuals within and share the same passions that we have for the development of this space 
Well, first of all, uh, go road owners. I've been to a few games at the Alamo Dome myself, so don't yes. don't get it twisted. My, my sister, my sister's an uh, alumni of, of UTSA, and, and so we went to a lot of trips down to San Antonio, and that was always fun to kind of catch up with with the team for there. Sure, for but sure, for sure. I want to ask, uh, you know, you've been through a, a bit of a marketing business kind of approach to this. What were some important things throughout your career? You know, going to San Francisco, going to school at UTSA with your your bachelor's in business. What were some important lessons or kind of just things to keep in mind? moving forward as you kind of developed your esports career? Yeah. So, you know, I always had this type of feeling like imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. you know, being at UTSA where, you know, it's, you know, I went to school there and it was everybody from so many different walks of life. And I was just like, where do I even fit in? You know, <laughs> who are, who are this group of individuals that, you know, I'm, and I'm a fit in and then going to San Francisco where, you know, I was literally like the only African-American on our team. And that was like, you're, you're, you're not only from a race perspective, but you know, the individuals who were there working, they're Carnegie Mellon and, you know, leaving from, I mean, coming from, into it and Facebook and and I'm like UTSA, you know, like, <laughs> like, like what, like <laughs> this does not happen. So I always felt like, why am I here? I always had that question, and so you know, for me, it, it, it was it's, it's just a natural inclination to be able to say, you know, networking, really getting over that imposter syndrome and saying, I may be nervous, I may, but I have something to say. And really being okay with and confident that I have something to say and really taking those, like once you get past that, that imposter syndrome, you just go in and start to network and you start to share and you learn most importantly from other individuals um, that, you know, everybody has a skill set. So just ultimately trying to figure out where someone else's skill set, let them know where our skill set is, my skill set, and then just finding ways to interact and work together. That is one of the biggest learning lessons that I've received from that of UTSA and San Francisco uh, when it comes down to working uh, working with a tech company. So we just pull those skill sets into helping the actual industry grow, you know, as we do every single day. All right. So so you're you're up in San Francisco, you just, you know, wrapped up your schooling, UTSA, and then all of a sudden, you know, mid 2010s, you're hearing esports, esports, yeah. esports. What was, I guess, your first like reaction to hearing the word esports? And what was that level of entry? Was like, oh, this is, this is like just competitive gaming or is this more yeah. of a, an avenue I can get into? What was your first reaction when you heard about like esports as we know it today? Yeah. So the first interaction was it's competitive gaming. But when I looked at it, I felt as if like esports only was the actual top tier, tier one entities, your League of Legends, your Dota's, your Counter-Strikes, your um, even, you know, when it came down to your Call of Duties. But they were almost like uh, your League of Legends. They were almost unforeseen for where I was in the esports space specifically understanding that I come from a sports background. So sports games were just naturally what we played. We didn't really even, you know, because of access, we didn't have a PC in high school and colleges to even know what League of Legends or, you know, Counter-Strike was. But when you, when we started to see the word esports, that's where the big prize person, that's where everybody referenced. So much to the point to where, you know, I looked at it as like, man, I'm finna, you know, I'm gonna go into this industry and I'm gonna create this technology platform. And when you go to VCs or you go to partners are like, well, you know, why are you not in the League of Legends space? And why are you not like, we can't invest because you're not even touching the numbers. And it's like, wow, like, <laughs> you know, like, well, I guess, I guess, I guess esports is not for me, you know, like, I guess, but really recognizing like, you know, what well, that's a, it's still an opportunity because ultimately every genre has the opportunity to grow and the lower genres that do not have the most exposure, if you can go and give them more exposure, then you're that much more impactful for that particular genre. And so ultimately, you know, we looked at it as like, we, this is esports. This is op- this particular NBA 2K or sports or, you know, even FGC, they should be, you know, and FGC is fighting game community. <laughs> These entities should be that coin of esports locked in a literal tap. Uh, um, uh, esports titles, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's when we really started to really focus in on is how do we add value to the esports uh, space from a sports game perspective? And I quickly identified like, you know, sports games are always typically 1v1. And then so it wasn't, to, it wasn't until like two years after that 
esports, understanding that, man, I, I, I don't have the skill sets or the knowledge in regards to building this platform for League of Legends or Dota. And, part, and, and, and quite frankly, the, 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 um, the inspiration of to learn it wasn't quite there because I just didn't grow up on it. But I knew that I really love sports and I knew that's where a lot of the individuals that, you know, I was around, they love those type of games. And so it was just really just identifying a way to say, how do we impact? And when we recognize that, you know, um, League of Legends, I mean, that NBA 2K announced the Pro-Am 5v5, that was like, okay, well, we, this is how, this is the first step on an esports title that's typically 1v1 to get to the actual big leagues like League of Legends, like more team-based large esports titles. So that was just the, the best way for us to say, let's go ahead and groom that out. And then therefore, we can start to allow teams to compete. And that energy and that excitement that we all love from big box esports titles, we can get that same feeling from a sports and we can help grow it from there. So that's that's the moment when I first recognized like, oh, this is esports. It was just not at that point for that time as inclusive. Mm. And then we had to really identify ways to make it inclusive for the communities that we love to be able to reach. Obviously, and in, 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 uh, in the past few years, 2K has really taken off with like like a rock with the 2k league and obviously madden has had their own uh, kind of initiatives as well kind of increasing that competitive yes. space which is awesome which i i we had a the director of uh ea madden's uh little, little nfl league his commissioner yes. came on the show talked about it so i know exactly yes. what you were going at with this and yes. so you you talked about a little bit about kind of figuring out if esports that space was for you or not obviously it was for you you found geekly you co-found it what was the primary motivation in launching that competitive gaming initiative for you guys yeah for sure one it was the you know the the ability to create a technology platform that allowed individuals to host their own tournaments uh but most importantly you know we wanted to make make sure that individuals felt as if like you know a geek can be an athlete an athlete can be a geek we wanted to make the actual community inclusive very inclusive and so the whole model uh for us was to being able to the individuals that we helped groom and gave them a platform to showcase their competitive skill sets we really wanted to make sure that they actively can you know get larger opportunities with professional organizations and so for us you know at geeklies is utilizing our space to actually make it to where it's all encompassing for the actual um the uh the industry meaning the competitive gamers they need branding they need somebody to do their branding um ultimately find and talent like going to like granted you have hit marker right but before hit marker you know trying to go and find somebody that's qualified in esports on monster or indeed is kind of like you know it's a little, a little bit difficult so in this instance we knew that we had to actively create the pipeline and so when you when you're going in and trying to find branding for a prof- or aspiring gamer who wants to turn pro you have to find a videographer for them for a videographer for them you got to find a graphic designer for them to help them actively create you know, uh, digital content and graphics and flyers. And, you know, you have to find so many resources to help the aspiring gamer. So therefore they can obtain their goals of going pro. And we recognize that the best way for us was going into high schools and colleges and finding that talent uh, because we are, you know, lean startup. We really wanted to make sure that we were focusing on and being efficient with our resources that we have. Granted, I just speak on, spoke on, we didn't get investment because we wasn't focusing on a big, big title. So we had to be very efficient. So Geekly's for that point, was just really focusing on creating this this area for individuals to come and develop their skill sets within this space and so that's when we recognize like all right we got this you know small makeshift my apartment uh in downtown dallas and where individuals are coming to compete and it's so fun but you know our neighbors didn't like it because it was so loud all the time and so understanding like at that same time you know there was esports facilities being built there was a you know the mark cubans with the math math gaming and there was the complexities building out the esports stadiums and then we were just like well there's nothing being built in the southern sector of dallas the place where i grew up right the, right. the place where i knew everybody um for the most part and it just recognized that there was no space everybody felt that you know built these spaces that people were going to come up there but that's not quite the instance because of lack of resources uh, and just insight just just knowledge in general and so i looked at it as a great opportunity to bring something to our our home to our our, our neck of the woods and really utilize it as a platform to inspire the other schools and organizations in the area about this industry and what 
comes into this industry and making it to where it's open door where someone can come in and not necessarily just be a part of a large arena, but make it to where it's more of incubation to where someone can come in and shout cast. Someone can come in and do music for the studio that can be incorporated into the actual event. And then also just being able to spectate, you know, parents mm-hmm. want to know what, you know, individuals are doing and they want to be engaged just as much. And so, you know, and we just really just needed a space that can really be uh, supportive of everybody's skill sets within the industry. And that's when the time that we recognize, like, it's much bigger than just a competitive gamer. This industry is available to all individuals. And the best way we needed to be able to do that is go into the schools and showcase to them that, hey, this is the programs that we're looking to be able to engage with. And hopefully it can inspire you to be able to build your own esports programs and facilities within your skill within your school. And then COVID hit. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But I just want to say very quickly, you know, back in 2014, 2015, my first first heard of Geeklids and it was kind of just an interesting thing. Esports Stadium Arlington wasn't even up yet uh, in my mm-hmm. neck of the woods. And so obviously I feel like you guys uh, were kind of a little bit like trailblazers, right? And yeah. Envy Gaming wasn't here. Complexity Gaming wasn't here. Mavs Gaming was a twinkle in Mark Cuban's yeah, eye. None exactly. of these things were here. And so sure. obviously you start up your, 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 your company, you start incubating this talent in your neck of the woods. And I feel like other people see that other investors saw that they decided to bring something into Dallas. Yes. And for that, I, I think your company was one of the, one of the first to really begin yeah. this landmark esports destination we have here in our, in our, our neck of the woods in the yes. Metroplex. So first for of all, sure. thank you for that. I want to say that from somebody who's been involved in the scene for the past, you know, five, six years. It's, wow. I, it's, it's, it's awesome to see you guys do that. And uh, yeah. very quickly, before we talk about the transition from Geek Leads to Exposure, what were some of the best moments you had with Geek Leads? And what's the legacy you hoped was left behind by it? And what kind of will help usher in this new era at Exposure? Yeah, just when someone, you know, one of the biggest things for us, when we've seen gamers competing online, you know, like, that was the biggest thing that we were like, man, individuals are competing with individuals, which is great because the parent gets to say, man, my son or daughter is competing with somebody in India or Atlanta or New York, you know, and then we like, man, that's awesome because it helps, you know, it helps the negotiation. I mean, it helps the networking. It helps, you know, meeting people in different backgrounds. It makes it very inclusive. And then we were just like a step further is actively allowing the person that's on a team with someone that's in a different geographic location where you're playing with them all the time from a competitive perspective and then coming into a facility and actively seeing that person in, you know, in real time. That's like a mm-hmm. family reunion, you know, that thrill of being able to have events and seeing someone connect um, and I see them actively, you know, um, you know, a laugh together and high five each other and, you know, cry together sometimes in that instance. And just, you know, just seeing that engagement was something that, you know, we uh, would always remember. And I always tell individuals at that time when we're, we're like in the with Geekly's and it's like in this historic infancy, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's like eight mile where, you know, you know, like, you know, like, um, you know, Eminem and, and all was in the basement and it was just hot and it was just the energy was there. I remember those times like it was yesterday. Oh, and man. ultimately, when it comes down to the see those same guys right now, you know, over eight gamers that was in that space are now competing professionally. Just to see them actively every day getting accolades and, you know, winning money, you know, you know, one million dollar prize purses, like just to see them develop. This is the best thing that, you know, we feel as if like keeps us going uh, when it comes down to. So there is anything that was left. And from a legacy perspective, it's the ability for us to have impact on individuals and to really help change individuals lives or even help them expedite or accelerate their paths within this industry. That is hands down the best thing that we have. We still to this day talk about. That's awesome. I, I love hearing that. Just honestly, my, my first time walking into a, a, a live land space for like real, com- real competition, real people playing. It was, you know, it was earth shattering for me. I was, <laughs> it was crazy. And I'm, I'm glad it's, that's one of your favorite moments too. just kind of yes. what Geeklitz had left behind. But now obviously March of 2020 comes around. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this. Geek Leads is going through this rebranding, relaunching phase to exposure. Yeah. Uh, the pandemic is is about to hit us pretty hard in the middle of March. Yes. What were the primary reasons you guys shifted from Geek Leads to a more education oriented kind of yes. technology platform? 
Yeah. So, man, to the, the completely transparent element is the fact that when COVID hit, right before COVID hit, we were already starting to talk with the schools. We had about four schools that already gave us uh, letters of intent to bust their students to our facility for live programming. And when COVID, I just got calls like, well, guess we can't do it. You know, like we can't come to the school. Man. You know, everybody's there, like and just hearing those calls, it was just like your breath is taken away from you because now you're like as a facility, when you operate a facility, you you can't you have a team. So you got payroll, you know, if nobody, mm-hmm. if you're not able to make capital, then you got rent of this facility. You have all of those elements that are there that just comes and hits you at once. And it's like, you can't do anything about it. Nobody in the world can do anything about it. The world is shut down. So, you know, we just actively went to the drawing boards that moment. And it was just like to the team, like, we have to figure it out a way right now. The biggest way for us to do is we have to create content to be able to showcase to those same students in the schools that we're going to get it in real time. We got to figure out a way to be able to create this content and give it to them. And then we started recognizing like, okay, we can create this content, but we don't have a huge YouTube following. We So basically we're going to create this content and give it over to YouTube. And, you know, and what do we get from that? That's not going to really help us pay our bills at this element. So we were just like, well, the next route is creating our own technology platform. You know, we had experience doing that before. So, and from the tournament organizing space, so we were like, man, maybe we can just create a learning management system and really create, you know, content to store that on there and then provide that package back to the schools that we were engaged, schools and organizations that we were engaging with. And then our team was just like, that's it. Like we got, we have to do that. And so ultimately we recognize like, how can we actively get in more involved into the schools because quickly we start to recognize that if all these schools shut down then they have to do the exact same thing is how do they add services and programs to their students in the instance that their students are now doing everything virtually so we looked at it as a business opportunity to say hey how can we be that more of attractive to that of schools because quickly we recognize that yes locally we can engage with schools and they know who we are but schools that do not know who we are we don't even look like an education entity you know mm-hmm. we don't we don't look like uh, like a traditional esports or a traditional education entity nowhere do it says that we're education we're we were hyper focused on the competition side so in order for us to really make impact we got to change our branding um, and change everything that we've done any videos that we shot that was good we had to change it you know to exposure any you know imagery Uh, any content, anything we had to basically change it for the purpose of actively, um, you know, aligning with the goals and the missions of uh, of educational entities and institutions. We really wanted to make them feel comfortable that they were actively being a part of something that can help them grow just as much. And so we had to make the very difficult decision to transition to Eastmosure because Geekly's was like, that was the brain child. That was the, that was like that was my heart, you know. And so I mentally I had to let it go and actively transition to um, that of exposure. And I looked at it. I kept telling myself, "The only man, I'm doing this for the benefit of the students. I'm doing this for the benefit of the community. I'm doing this like it's not myself. Like I had to literally mm. take myself out of it and do it for the community and do it for the impact for the schools. And that was a very hard thing um, because I just it was everything in me um, um, when it came down to Geekly's. I sacrificed so much for it. Um, So after we it took about took about like a day or two (laughs) to to, to, to be like, hey man, it's hard but we got to keep moving, you know. Very fast and that was the point of just making that transition. So our whole team came together. We had some very tough conversations of just like, this is what we got to do. We got to be able to survive. Um, everybody, I always looked at, I always told the team, it's like running track in high school and college. Track is typically outside, it's outdoors. And when you get on that line, you're in the line with everybody with you. It could be raining, it could be cold, it could be 90 degrees. Everybody has the same elements. Mm-hmm. So we are no different. We have the same elements that we're coming across just like any other company, like anybody out there. So it's going to be how we perform in those type of elements. And I had to get the team to recognize that. And then eventually we just came together and then built our, our technology platform, shot our content, 
you know, and then just started to deliver it to that of the schools. And we got a call from one of the schools like, hey, do you know any other programs that are available? <laughs> and we were just like, oh, we got a program. It was like, really? No other programs are available? <laughs> like, we've been looking for it. There's nothing available. We was like, we have one. And, and that's our first customer. And then we just took it from there. And our team was like, wow. Like, we literally got our first customer after we built this platform and this content. And then we've just been growing from there. That's awesome. And so, I mean, I know that's a hard thing to do to let go of Geekly. It's a, that's your baby, man. It's hard yes. to let go of things that you made, things that you, you sacrificed for. And so it's it's difficult. But from the ashes, man, you got eSposure rising. And, and yes. I'm hearing great things about it so far. And, and really, that whole eSports education as a field is is growing across the country. And, and you guys are a part of that forefront right there. And so... Right now, we have a lot of esports education based at the collegiate level. Not much is happening at you know the high school, the community yes. level, and so why why do you think that is that that not a lot of uh, platforms have be, have been built around high schools and communities? Instead, yes. they've been focusing on colleges. Yeah, to be you know you know straightforward, it's you know if you go to a college and you know as an entity when you're doing all this building and you know creating content it there's a cost to that there's a there's a, a, a energy that is being expended by content creators by developers by everybody behind the scenes and so typically when you look at it you look at a college entity uh, and a professional entity having revenue or having a budget to be able to provide and so ultimately when you think about a high school the budgets are very slim when it comes down to it so you would you know you know push your spin your wheels really trying to engage with the high school because the sales cycles are so much longer than it would be for education uh, for a college or a professional organization um so ultimately you may you see that people will see that there's a huge amount of individuals to engage with from a high school and a middle school perspective it's just if you're a lean startup that's really starting up in this space from an esports e- perspective you have to be incredibly resourceful to wait the amount of time before everything starts to you know be a value and so that's one of the biggest reasons um uh, for a company being inside of the space but if you have the means and you're able to be resourceful you know to be able to engage with the high school and middle school elements then you it's a good open opportunity uh, because that is where the true impact can be done because a high school student when they're leaving high school they have two choices they can go in the workforce or they can go to college and both of the skill sets that are required in esports can be beneficial to both of those decisions right so ultimately you are really making the best impact to that of a high school that's looking at high school student that's looking to be able to you know excel whether they go straight into the workforce or whether they take their knowledge and make it even much more better by going and, and, and honing it in college and so we are looked at it as like most and more importantly we have to sacrifice even more to adhere to the high school element because over time this is where the true impact will be and ultimately you will be able to see it in in the instance of the success of someone going straight into the workforce or someone going to college on an esports scholarship or even doing something behind the scenes by helping build an esports program at a particular college. That is what we recognized that was going to happen um, maybe like a year before it happened. And then we just like, let's go ahead and do it now. We know that other companies are going to engage and that's beautiful because it ultimately helped the whole industry. And so we just like, well, if we, we know it's going to happen, why can't we uh, start to really be involved inside of that space just as much? No, and, that, and that's true. And, and and just to add on to your point a little bit more, I feel like lately there's really no set path to get into esports right now. Sometimes yes. you can go to college and sometimes you, you don't get the, the degree that you end up working with later on. Yes. And so for a lot of you, a lot of kids who are you know exposed to exposure, they'll get that, you know, that little that itch to kind of go into esports somehow, some way. And. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, they end up just going there without a college degree or they end up getting a different degree and still working in that same field, which is yes. very, you know, at those at those formative, those formative years, super important to kind of super. get that 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 idea in their heads. Like you can do this even if you don't have the right like credentials, you just have to kind of exactly. work hard at it. And, and really, it's, it's a little bit longer, a little bit tougher, but it's, it pays <laughs> off dividends just as yes. much. Um, but for sure. Personally, like you mentioned, you mentioned that certain companies are still coming into this space and, and trying to fill it up and really, like you said, a, a, a rising tide lifts all ships, right? Yes. And so what possibilities does this open for business and educational partnerships, right? Like how, how, how successful would you say that, that has been for you guys personally? 
Yeah. So one of the things that we see, we call it our EDE ecosystem. It's education to entertainment. And another thing in regards to right out of COVID, we had, you know, we had to steal the capabilities of doing production. And one of the cool things about production is that everybody needed to stand up production events virtually, right? Mm -hmm. So ultimately, that gives us a great opportunity to work with many, many clients. And so for us, when we're educating our individuals, our students, they actively can see that there's an entertainment element by way of our production, our leagues, our tournaments that we're standing up for ourselves as an entity, but most importantly for the clients. And then we quickly recognize that if we're working with, you know, E-Fuse or we're working with, you know, um, Arizona Cardinals or we're working with uh, that of Gillette and High School Esports Alliance and, you know, all of these clients and entities and organizations, those are the organizations that are actively looking for the next talent to fulfill the roles within their organization. So we're like, wow, education, as we educate the students, then we're showing them the whole process of the industry by way of what we're doing from an entertainment perspective. And then it's a pipeline for that of the actual corporate entities that are looking to be able to you know, capitalize off of the transferable skills that are applicable within this industry. So we just looked at it as this full line, uh, which is critical as creating that pipeline for this space. So what we originally thought should happen it happened and it's just by way of everything all the pieces coming together and so that's going to be one of the biggest things that you know we see in regards to brands getting in brands organizations getting involved because most importantly yes they want to sell products but they want to actually build their company <laughs> you build your company by having talented individuals and if it's hard to find individuals then you don't have a successful company and when you think about esports as amidst a pandemic Everybody heard about esports during this time. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? That means investors are coming in. That means partners, entrepreneurs, you know, companies. And they're actively looking at being able to capitalize off a market that's still growing amidst a pandemic. But ultimately, it's not going to grow if they open up companies and found companies and they don't have the talent to fulfill them. Because now it's going to be your quote unquote coined bubble. Right. Mm -hmm. And that bubble, people will say that bubble going to burst. So for us, we were just like, this is scary. You know, we don't want the bubble to burst. So what can we do to actively help drive in more individuals and give them the skill sets that they can? So therefore, it can help fulfill those talents for the individuals who are looking to build companies and run companies and, you know, develop entities inside of the space. It's literally based off of fear of them not being able to fulfill the talent. And it's ultimately looking at it as like this industry is just a waste of time or it's just a, you know, it's, it's just a, a facade. I love this industry too much to think of it as a facade. It's impacted me. It's it's fed me. It's in, it's taught me. It's helped me teach other individuals. It's helped me build a company and build a team of individuals who are just as passionate. So therefore, they can go to their parents and say, "Mom, Dad, like I'm either not in college, I'm working, I'm making capital, or I'm in college and doing it part time and still making capital." And this is what I love to do. That fulfillment in itself for a parent to come back to me and tell me that their son has told them that and has proven it. That is why we're so passionate about this space. And we were nervous that, you know, this space will be looked at as this bubble. And we just ultimately knew that we have to expedite our services to give more impact to the younger individuals. So therefore, they can have that champion uh, feeling of, man, I made the right decision. Right. And it's, it's, it's an all important, all encompassing thing that a lot of us are trying to focus on coming out of high yes. school. And that's a, that's a, it's a great little crossroads to be at for, for you guys as well. But you guys have been around for a year plus now. This is year yes. one of exposures is in the books. It's you guys books. Are, 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 are doing great. I'm assuming, but you tell me how has exposure been doing a year after their founding? Wow. So I think the cool thing is that I believe that and I know I know I, I believe that we've reached over a million dollars and in the midst in the midst of a pandemic. And that is one of the things that I was extremely like surprised about due to the fact that transparently for eight years prior to this space, I have always tried to figure out how I've been investing money, investing time, but ultimately not quite understanding like, okay, where is the actual, how are we going to get that investment back? Mm -hmm. Right? So for us, it's not like we see this industry and we're just trying to make some money out of it. I look at this industry before this, before COVID was like, 
how do I even get my money back? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like all the time and energy, how do I even just come break even, you know? And, you know, looking at a pandemic and then seeing right afterwards, that was the moment of us, you know, being able to drive in traction and drive in and get in revenue for our company. That was like, wow, eight years. And then we were able to do that in six months, you know, after you saw so it just gives me a perspective of like, you never know. So you got to keep pushing. You never know when that time is going to come. You just got to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And so for us right now, you know, as far as exposure, we're looking at, you know, like education is very critical. But we also came across another conundrum. It's like when you educate individuals, you give them content assessments. It's like, all right, what? It's like the students are like so engaged and so hungry. So it's like, OK, what, what do you, what, what's next? How can we be even more immersed in the actual experience of, e, uh, of esports? And that's what gave us the perspective of like, you know, it's not just about a certificate. It's not just about, you know, a diploma. It's not just about, you know, just saying, hey, I got I took this course and I got a grade. These students are so anxious now that they want to actively apply it. Like the next question is, how do I apply this? And that's when we started to really go to the drawing boards and really started to figure out how can we let these same students that have actively given us revenue from a, you know, a cost perspective where we're just like, is this really helping them? All right, perfect. Let's add that. That's the first step is to learn and educate yourself about the space. Now we have an obligation to allow them to apply it. And that's been the main focus for exposure right now. And just getting the traction of individuals in this space, recognizing that as an esports entity like exposure, we're really focused on the application to help these individuals really be able to say, here's my portfolio and this is what I've done in this space because we are esports organizations and actively I would want to see someone who's actively done something in this space because it makes it easier to be able to hire, right? Mm -hmm. When I, you know, when I look at you, Kevin, and you actively are interviewing individuals, I know that if I wanted to bring you on or give you uh, a connection to someone else, you, I can reference something that you've actively done and that's vital in this space because the space is still growing and people are still trying to figure out like who's real, who's not, you know, who has the skills, who does not. That's one of the biggest advantages that you can give a student is to actively allow them to actively showcase what they've done in this space and that can help them retain a uh, opportunity much faster than them just saying, hey, I took this course or hey, I just did this. Um, nothing wrong with that because that's a step. It's a stepping stone mm -hmm. process that goes to it. Uh, but it's ultimately obtaining that op opportunity comes with what you've done in this space. And that's why you've seen so many individuals within the early early years of esports. You know, they will go to tournaments. They will volunteer. They will run them. They will referee at tournaments. They would, you know, run brackets. They would, you know, like there would be so many individuals at these events volunteering. And that was their way of actively getting experience. So therefore, then the next event or next tournament that comes around, they're able to say, hey, this is my worth. You know, I've done this. This is the time. And people feel trust in giving them actual payment because they actively can reference them doing some something from an event in the past and which is very critical for this space right now. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. Let me tell you, if I if I was interviewing people at, at a high school, I would have been so impressed with myself. Like, man, I, I got caught up on the curve right there. I'm good to go. But yeah. <laughs> I figured that out a little bit later in life. But that's OK. <laughs> a lot of us will, too. But yes. let, let's talk about you, Danny, for a little bit. Right. Yeah. Your day to day, I'm sure extremely busy calling people. I'm sure yes. the CEO, the CEO is not just a title. It's it's an actually oh, no. it's an actual job you guys have to do. What is your day to day look like? And, and uh, I mean, what's what's the toughest part of your mornings, I guess, getting up out of bed man um well i try to i get up in the morning i get up at like five o'clock in the morning i run about two miles um and that just really really gets me during those miles it really just lets my mind focus in on what's to come and typically i always look at it as like if i can run two miles in the morning at five o'clock it's very tough and i like <laughs> to compete by myself and i like to get up like just getting up is hard so i'm like there's nothing at the after this that should be harder than getting up and running two miles so, right I should be okay for the rest of the day. Don't care about like me. Like I should be okay for the rest of the day. And so in this instance, I look at it as like, as soon as you're getting up, it's, you know, right now we're building a beautiful facility. So ultimately it's just about checking in on the production of the facility, the development, the paintings, the actual, you know, the walls. I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm not that CEO that's just, throw money, you know, to that of a project and just sit back and like, cause I don't have a lot of money. <laughs> so, so for me, I got to make sure it's, it's working well, you know? So 
for me, it's just like being involved in all processes of not only the buildup, but the company itself. So for us, you know, like we have an education team, we have a production team, we have a content team, we have an event coordination team, um, you know, and, and everything is, I try to be involved in all of those components, but not so involved to where I mitigate the actual skill sets of the individuals who are looking to build up their portfolios as well. I talk to individuals all the time. I say 75% of our staff are 22 uh, staff or 22 teammates, you know, they're under the age of 25, right? Mm -hmm. So in this instance, you know, there's a lot of development that goes on in regards to that. When some client gives us an event, there's a nurturing that goes into that, right? It's, it's really a lot of teaching. It's like, here's how you be professional. Here's how you, you know, um, here's how you engage with the client. Here's the actual um, steps that you need to fulfill this production. Here's the steps you need to fulfill this actual tournament. So for us, for me per se, it's a lot of teaching. It's a lot of nurturing. It's a lot of mentoring with our staff. And that's just the natural inclination of when you have a staff that is young, you spend more of, you can't really say, do this and go and expect it to get mm -hmm. it done. You have to say more of like, here's how you do it. And here's some references. So the references, therefore, you can be able to have uh, some more a more successful rate and getting the job done and just really being around there when the actual like when the person makes a mistake. Right. When a person makes a mistake with something we do that that can hit the company pretty hard. But ultimately letting them know, like, hey, this is the reality of your mistake. Let's try to make sure that you can do it better. So it's really like taking our our team underneath the arm and really saying let we if you really want this we're all a team <laughs> you know if you don't want this you should leave because it's going to affect all of us you know and then when you have a team that really understands that value and that approach then you can see individuals passionately looking to be able to get over their mistakes their obstacles quickly for the benefit of the team uh, which is really really cool to see so my day-to-day -day basis is really on meetings trying to find in talent trying to also find in the next customers, clients, organizations that are looking to build with us um, and also doing, you know, speaking engagements like this, you know, having uh, podcasts and trying to speak to schools and parents and organizations to really get the word about uh, the industry. So my day is slam packed from five o'clock a.m. and likely ends around about nine to 10 p.m. every single day. Oof. Like this is every day. My days are like this back to back to back because there's so many things that goes on um, that, and it's just, we're a developmental company. So it would behoove me to be involved in the process and helping develop, truly developing the individuals who are part of our team or else I'll just be sitting back and, you know, who knows what would happen? <laughs> who, knows what, who knows what would happen? So like every day is a process and I love it. I actively love this. So it's not a hindrance to just be involved. And I'm not looking like, man, I got to, I should be at the beach somewhere. I should be like, no, I actively love this. I love seeing the actual work and the portfolio that these students and these, the, our team members are building. And that's what helps me literally wake up on a daily basis, knowing that the day is going to be hard, but I know at the end of the day, I'm going to look back and I'll be like, wow, like this is who's been impacted. And this is where they're going to go to spread their wings so they can impact someone else. Man, let me tell you, that sounds like a stressful day already, 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. I mean, I got gray hair, so I'm just waking up with a baby, man. I'm just, I, you, I don't know how you do it. You look oh, you man. look young. You look youthful. I don't know what's going on here. I got I to gotta go on your regimen, run two miles a day, and I'll be fine. Water, man. <laughs> look, speaking of the future, uh, of, of, of me getting older, I got to ask you, you know, you got a new facility coming up. Uh, yes. You know, we're moving into more post-pandemic world, hopefully. Fingers yes. crossed. Um, yes. What does the future of eSposure look like for you guys? What What's going on in your neck of the woods? You guys hope to, you know, establish the next two, three, five years. Yeah, yeah. And that's an awesome question. It, it, it aligns directly with our conundrum and given a more immersive experience. And so we came together and we created a four-week program called the eSposure E2E Immersion Program. And we quickly recognize that, you know, schools want to have that immersive experience just as much for their students because actively schools are recognizing that they are literally losing students due to the way that education is now being consumed 
from a virtual perspective. So they have to figure out ways to make that engaging enough for the parent to be like, is it worth bringing my child back to school? You know? Mm -hmm. And so from our perspective, we were just like, how do we create that experience? So we created a four week program where the students for the first week, we built our whole technology platform around this. And this is our main product. Now it launches in July 12th. And we're going to be doing this every single month to the, you know, for the existence of our company. And ultimately the students um, who engage with us, whether they're from an institution, high school or organization, or even the parent who may not have an esports organization, uh, esports club or program within their current geographic location school, they have the ability to send their child, their son or daughter to our programs. And basically the students for the first week, those students will learn management in esports, marketing esports, technology in esports, competition in esports and production in esports. And they will have the normal assessments that we had within our learning management system. But on that second week, we break them up into groups of five and they mimic roles within those five segments. So you have one student who will be a, a general manager, one student will be a head coach one student would be a production technician one student would be a marketing specialist and one student would be a software developer so what we did is we actively built functionality in our technology platform that provides each of those individuals assessments and assignments that they can use to get their job done right so in this instance the students when they break up into those groups of five they actively fantasy draft players within our aspiring gamers and professional gamers track of our company. So we do a league and tournament, a tournament and qualify to a league. We draft 20 individuals. And then those 20 athletes are, they get numbers, data numbers on top of them to give the actual students an opportunity to have a salary cap and they have to pick players within their actual team. So we want these team, we want these students to feel as if like they're running their own complexities or they're running their own phase clans or 100 thieves. So therefore they can actively say, man, I've, I was a general manager of our faux esports organization, and here's what we did. And so on that third week, the students are collaborating with each other to have specific assignments that they're engaging with. So like, for an example, the software developer that we built the functionality that allows the software developer to build their own micro website. So they're basically taking content from that of the production technician and the marketing specialist to build out their esports organization website. Right. And each actual role has their own assignment. General manager It's the goal to overlook all of the actual roles within their their group and to ensure that everybody has this, the components that they need, the documents that they need. And if anybody had any additional questions, that general manager can talk to the admin who's facilitating the program. Right. So basically, when it comes down to by the end of this four week program, they have a presentation that's in the form of their micro website that they can send a URL to their parents, their admin, but most importantly to their respective employer. And our goal right now is to utilize this immersion program to make students to, to have students the perspective of saying, here's what I've done. Here's a tangible thing that I've built with my team, my collab I collaborated with my team, and this is why I should be hired at X company. And that's the main focus, and we're looking to be able to do this. It's a virtual platform, so we can engage with schools all around the country. But the cool thing about being the locals for the local schools is that we're building this facility specifically for our immersion program. So for the schools that are locally based, on that third week when they're doing their assignments and they're watching all of the performers that they've drafted, they actively can see the actual athletes real time in our facility competing live and they can watch, they can come into the building and see us run as an esports organization. They can see the content side of things. They can see a full production taking place. And most importantly, they can sit in the stands with their team and collaborate and get their assignments done. So therefore, they can actually have that experience of, I, I like to call it as being Jerry Jones and sitting in the box office, you know, <laughs> looking at your team and how they're performing. We want, we want to grow and grow more Jerry Jones, right? <laughs> so, this, so, 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 I know a lot of people are not going to like that, but, you know, like, but at the end of the day, you know, we want these students to be able to have an entrepreneurial experience so therefore they can help run the next we want to see more phase clans we want to see more complexities and that's where the industry is going to grow and the best people to be able to do it is the students that we impact so ultimately the whole goal for us for the next few years is to really be able to have many many cohorts of students to where they actively can lend the actual program and the full experience saying hey i know what it feels like to run an esports organization wow that's this immersion program i would have loved this 10 years oh, ago at man. my high school could you imagine <laughs> that would be amazing 
use this sounds like an insanely ambitious project and i can't wait to see it come to fruition i know you guys yes. have great heads on your shoulders you're gonna knock this out of the park so yes. one last question for you because you brought it up earlier and it's it stuck in my mind and i really want to hear your perspective on it right you mentioned you know going to san francisco and, and going to some of these schools and stuff like that you're one of the only african-americans there in the building yes. uh, if, if right now let's say that there's an african-american kid out there who's listening to this podcast or or, or, or his ambition has carried him towards esports what yes. is one piece of advice you'd give to them uh, right now in this moment man understanding that lack of resources ultimately is your best 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 um you know your best um your your best gift right it teaches you to be resourceful it teaches you how to be efficient and ultimately when it comes down to running a company you have to be efficient you have to be resourceful you're not going to be given millions of dollars right off the way so you have to be, be able to understand the value of making a dollar stretch mm-hmm. and ultimately when you're trying to do anything you that efficiency keeps you sustained I always tell our team, it's like, if I hadn't been sufficient, like, yes, we made capital uh, within the actual, we made capital uh, within the uh, pandemic, but ultimately it took us to be able to, I didn't, I didn't increasingly do anything crazy. And we were in a position to where we had to make a decision to, you know, get a larger facility. Uh, I mean, not a larger facility. We had to get a new, we had to actually build a new facility. Um, at that point, had we just not thought about efficiency, we wouldn't have had that capacity to do that. So ultimately, you think about your resources and understanding. Sometimes you may be like, why do I, why am I not getting the most or why am I looking different? Use that to your advantage and say, hey, I'm glad I don't have the most resources, the most access. But when I do get it, I'll know how to be able to leverage it. I'll know how to make it sustain for the long term goal. And when people look at exposure, they're like, how are you guys still, you know, geek leads to exposure or just most importantly, like how are you guys as a team still kicking it? And it's because we're super efficient with what we have with the no investors. Right. So mm-hmm. ultimately, we have our value to where we can go to investors. Like we can be we can still keep going regardless because of we're very efficient. But what we do have and ultimately, even if you were to give us some capital, we will still be efficient with that capital because of the fact that we don't know, you know, what's and what's for what's going to come tomorrow. And we just want to make sure we're prepared for it, uh, but still being innovative enough to stay ahead of the curve. Right. So I tell that individual who looks like me is just understand that where you're at today, you're not going to be there tomorrow if you listen you learn, you ask questions, and you be resourceful with the things that you have. And ultimately, that's going to help you sustain for the longevity because this industry just didn't pop overnight. And it's not going to be, you know, mega, mega millions tomorrow. It's going to be a long time, you know, a long, a, a long journey of consistent baby steps. And you're going to need those baby steps in order to sustain within this space. That would be the best advice I can give. It's gradual. I love it. I love to see it, man. I, I, and hopefully with the work you guys are doing in South Dallas, and really across the nation hopefully we'll get more use more me's out there yes working in the industry i love to see it. i love to hear it and, and uh, i really you guys are doing such, such amazing things and so uh danny i i want to thank you for coming on the show i know it took up a little bit longer your time than i expected but it's okay you're fun to talk to man i can't yeah. say that <laughs> so i love it so honestly uh, if you guys want to follow them eSposure.gg at eSposure on twitter facebook youtube i believe it's yes. eSposure.gg on instagram we want to go follow them follow all the great endeavors they're embarking on and, and kind of taking charge of right now not just like i said not just in south dallas around the country around the, you know, yes. the state of texas but uh, danny thank you for coming on the show i appreciate it i, I love talking to you yes. hopefully we have you back on to talk about your new <laughs> facility with exposure yes. and so we're, we're, we're excited for you guys wish you the best of luck no problem. Thank you, Kevin, so much. This is awesome. If anybody that's out there, if you want to specifically to go to immersion, uh, exposure.gg slash immersion, that'll give you the direct information um, in regards to our program. But definitely, you know, reach out. I'm pretty open in regards to reaching out. That's why our meetings are so long all throughout the day, because I'm really not 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 accepting meetings, which I should. But my team is like, dude, like you have been all day, you know, like I, I love it, though. So definitely reach out. You know, I'm an open book when it comes down to Danny, you, you got a good head on your shoulders, man. I wish you the best of luck. Uh, send me that invite for that facility. I'll be there. You know, lickety split, man. I appreciate Perfect. it. I love it. Thank you so much, Kevin. Uh, he's Danny Martin, co-founder, CEO of Exposure, and I'm Kevin Correa right here on the Esports Network podcast. Yeah.